Two years ago, we brought Courtney to Highland, who you're going to see in this video, who shared a bit of her story about, thanks, man, about her relationship to Agape's FIT program. So we are leading up to our outreach contribution, which is on May 15th, and we're going to raise $126,000 and then just give it away to the best ministries in this city and around the world. And one of those is Agape's FIT program. So Courtney is a woman, a mother, whose life has been touched by the FIT program. And um, she came and shared just a bit of her story two years ago. But some of our staff was with her a few weeks back, and she shared more of the story. And it was so powerful that we sent Russ back to video her telling that story. And so we're going to watch that now, and then we'll continue. Let's watch that story. I first want to thank God just for this opportunity to be able to share how good God has been to me and what a blessing the Agape Fit program has been both to me and my daughters. I came to be a part of the Agape Fit program through fleeing a violent marriage. I was in an abusive marriage for right at 13 years. I do thank God that I was afforded the opportunity to attend a four-year university, and I was blessed and honored with receiving my degree. After leaving college, I did obtain a lucrative job, which was also a blessing. However, I ended up having to leave my job because my oldest daughter became critically ill. She had a situation where her right lung collapsed as a result of getting pneumonia. It was uncertain what the outcome would be. Actually, my children's father and I were told that she would not make it, she would not survive. And I can recall the doctors calling us into the little room at Le Bonner and telling us that any day she would Deep, she would pass away or she would be leaving us. Of course, this was heartbreaking. We began to pray. I prayed. I would go to the chapel often. And miraculously, she began to get well. Eventually, we were told, you know what? She can go home. And at the point of her being discharged from the hospital, she was still quite ill and she required around the clock care. That's how I ended up leaving my job because someone needed to be at home with her. And my husband, my children's father and I, we agreed that I would be the one. My girls and I remained there in the home with their father, but it got to a point where it just became more and more dangerous. I can recall the night when we left, the last time we left, the final time, I ended up having to run to neighbors and I knew at that point that my daughters and I could not return. So I ended up calling a friend. The friend in turn came and picked us up and helped us get to safety. I wasn't thinking about money when I left. I honestly was just concerned about getting my daughters and myself to a safe place. So upon leaving, money wasn't the thing on my mind. However, two days later, we needed some items from the store. And I remember swiping my card, and the card, for whatever reason, kept saying insufficient funds. I found out, and I discovered that my children's father had 
closed the account and taken everything. I think I was in shock for quite some time and I just didn't know what to do at that point. I just began to pray. I did not know where we were going. I did not know what we were going to do. I just knew I just knew God is faithful. I filed an order of protection or restraining order against their father. Upon filing that restraining order, I was put in contact with the Agape Fit program. Up until that point, I had no prior knowledge of Agape. I had no prior knowledge of the Fit program. They have enabled us to continue going forward without being in a terrible cycle. They have helped me to realize that it's okay if you have to begin again. Sometimes starting over can be extremely frightening, but sometimes it's necessary. And to know that life may throw challenges at you, but you can overcome and you can keep going and trust God and know that God is, is wonderful and He's awesome and He has wonderful and awesome people that He works through and operating in this life. So I'm thankful for that and God bless the Agape Fit program and each person that serves in this facility. Courtney was going to be here with us today, but one of her children's ill, and so she's not going to be able to make it. But we do have Marla Brown, who's Director of Development at Agape, formerly Director of the FIT Program, and then David Jordan, who's Executive Director at Agape. And they're going to share with us a little bit more about Courtney and women like her in the FIT Program in just a second. But let's, let me start in Genesis 21. When we arrive in Genesis 21, it's a pretty horrific scene. Hagar, young mom and her young son Ishmael are just staggering off into the desert. And Abraham is there the whole time, and we want Abraham to intervene, to stop them, but he doesn't. And we can just imagine him standing there in the doorway of their comfortable home that they have shared for years, pointing out towards the desert, towards insecurity and danger and homelessness. Go. He says, have you ever read what follows the verses after this in Genesis 21? As a parent, it is absolutely heartrending to read. Hagar and Ishmael stagger around. The water in their pouch runs dry, the Bible tells us. They just wander. That's the word the text uses because they have no place to go. Once that water runs dry, Ishmael, who's just a boy, gets weaker and weaker until he collapses and so Hagar scoops him up and places him in the shade of this cool scrub bush because she's got nowhere else to put him. And she walks a few feet away, and then she just drops down and begins to sob because she's unable to watch what she knows is going to come next for Ishmael. What's heartbreaking about this scene is that it's not the first time Hagar has found herself in this situation. Earlier, a few chapters back, she, her story shows us, okay, that she is the prototypical abused, neglected woman, the victim of domestic violence. She's taken as a slave when she's just a girl. 
She's given to an older man against her will. She becomes pregnant as a teenager. And just when she thinks that things are going to turn around for her, because now she bears a promise inside of her, Sarah, who gave her to Abraham in the first place, turns jealous. And Hagar, with no choice, a few chapters before this, flees into the desert. And you got to think that as she's sitting there now with her son underneath this bush, struggling, that that memory of her first time in the desert comes back to mind. And perhaps like playing on repeat in her mind is all the times that she has been neglected, her and Ishmael, over these years, all the times she has been endangered. But, but God hears her. God hears her the first time when she's in the desert. He hears her this time in the desert. And both times, God comes to her rescue. And so she names her boy Ishmael, which means God hears. We want to ask a lot of questions of this story. A lot of questions come to mind. But I think maybe the most important question for us to ask is, why was God listening to Hagar? In Hagar's story, in the first book of the Bible, we are introduced to this really sad fact that stretches back across time. And that is that women and children, so many women and children throughout time have lived on the constant edge of insecurity. So the details and the setting and the characters of Courtney's story and Hagar's story are different, right? And they're separated by thousands of years, but they're the same story. They're the same story. And in Courtney and Hagar, we see this arc of injustice and violence that stretches across time and wraps itself around vulnerable women and children. It begins with Hagar and it stretches all the way to Courtney and women like her. What we know is that this arc is not God's design. That God designs man and woman to live together in harmony in the garden, in peace and relationship in the garden, but things fall apart, right? It's just when things get put back together, they don't fare as well for women and children. Patriarchy and male violence are this tragic chord that just gets played over and over again throughout history. And so God, the father of the fatherless, as Psalm 68 calls him, God, the defender of the widows, as that same Psalm calls him, cannot help but listen to a woman like Hagar or a woman like Courtney. It's who God is. Which brings us to our outreach contribution. Like I said, we're going to raise $126,000 on May 15th to support ministries in this city, across the world. But one of those is Agape's FIT program, a program designed for women like Hagar and Courtney. Women who are God's special desire and concern. And so today I brought David Jordan, executive director of Agape, and Marla Brown, director of development, as I told you, to share with us a little bit more about the FIT program. So David, tell me, what is the Agape FIT program that we support, and why did it start? Well, thank you, Eric and, and Highland, for us being here. Uh, some of you will remember uh, the FIT, the Families in Transition ministry, started 15 years ago in July, and Highland was and is at the epicenter of all that happening. And so I'm, I'm thankful that now, 15 years later, we're serving women like Hagar, Courtney, 
women who become homeless, maybe experience violence, domestic violence, their children, and providing housing and wrapping service ministry relationships around. Agape actually flipped our ministry intentionally 15 or so years ago uh, in the audience. I know uh, Jimmy Adkins, uh, Cindy Pitts, and Debbie Edwards, uh, board members, and uh, Norman Bennett, who's our CFO, and so all key leaders uh, part of this ministry. Many po- people would know our first 25 years at Agape, we served only children through foster care and adoption, and that's very good, and we continue to do some of that. We intentionally flipped that model saying, let's go into the communities where those kids lived before they came into foster care. Let's go to the communities where homeless families lived before they became homeless. And so let's be incarnational. Let's hear the cry. Let's hear the voice, and let's go where they're at. Rather than waiting for them to come into foster care, we still serve children in foster care, but we clearly do that far more in the communities serving before they go into those systems. And then we heard the voice as even in Scripture, many of the women who would call and say, you know, I'm pregnant, only 3% would choose to place their baby for adoption. The other 97% are saying, what can you do? Housing was a significant, I need housing, I need hope, I need, I need a lot of things around me to help me keep my child and children. So that's what helped through Highland, Sycamore View, White Station, Midtown, numbers of churches and groups and even continuing to help us grow from then serving six families at a time. God has seen fit that we now serve 66 homeless families at a time. And that's about a third of all the homeless families in Shelby County as defined by HUD. And so, so I am thankful to this church in helping us begin and bring us to this point. Hmm. Marla, tell us about the women and children that come into Agape Fitz Care. What kind of situations are they coming out of? What are their spirits like when they come to you? Well, as you heard from Courtney's story, we have women and children who come to us fleeing domestic violence who are broken in spirit, who, as Eric mentioned earlier, have been pushed literally over the edge. Uh, One family that I recall in particular, the mom, She did everything to the best of her ability, had really done things right. Mm. Working a full-time job, had her own apartment with her four children, she lost her job. In a matter of months, she had used up all of her resources. She and the children had come to start living in their car. A very problematic situation for them, especially for the children who were in the mornings bathing in restaurants or where they could to try to get to school on time. Just a myriad of life issues. Uh, And we have other families who come to us, again, literally fleeing domestic violence with nothing but the clothes on their back. They have no other resources. So short of the FIT program, they would literally have no other place to go. However, in the FIT program, we embrace hope. We embrace transformational living. And we work with our families to make sure that when they depart from the FIT program, they leave us better. And that can look different for everyone. For me, it could be renewing or building a relationship with Christ. For another family, it may be 
partnering with a committed and faithful partner like HopeWorks uh, to shore up education and career readiness. Uh, so it, it looks a, a lot of different ways. And today I want to invite each of you personally because uh, again, Highland has been with the FIT program since day one. And so if any of you just ever have the urge or want to come out and visit the FIT program, we, we truly welcome you to do so. Hmm. Marla, tell us about, um, and you, you began talking about this, what are the services, that, you know, you talked about wraparound care back in the chapel, that FIT is offering these moms and their children, and to what end? What's, what's the goal? And then how have you seen lives change because of this? In FIT, we provide a variety of different services, and again, it may look different for each individual we serve, but we want to care for the whole person. From a two-generational approach, we want to work with the mom or the head of household in the family, but we also strive to work with the children. And so we may have the families participate in life skills programming. And again, this is where each and every community member can, can be a part of. Uh, we may talk about uh, financial literacy. We have some families in the FIT program who at the age of 30, 32, may not have ever opened a bank account. Don't know that process, are afraid. That's a very intimidating process for some people. Uh, so we work with them in the life skills program to do that. Uh, as you know, homelessness is only one piece of the trauma families suffer. And in Courtney's experience, and in many of our other moms, about 85% of the families that come to us are fleeing domestic violence. We work with partners and we work with our own in-house counseling program to work through counseling and, and domestic violence support groups uh, to, to minimize or to work through that trauma uh, so that, again, we can move individuals and families to a better place. Yeah. Uh, we also work with community partners, again, on the education piece. Uh, we have one mom who, when she came to us, had only had about four months in a CNA program. Well, we wanted her absolutely, while she was in the FIT program, to complete that. She was able to do so, even furthered her education, and is now employed full-time at Methodist Labonner. And so the end goal in FIT is whatever that individual's goal may be, and again, it varies. It varies per person. We achieve those goals by working with those family members, walking alongside them in very intentional relationships to help move them to that place. Hmm, thanks, Marla. David, in the chapel, I talked about um, on my drive here this morning, thinking this is kind of like a shareholders meeting, and you can only take that that metaphor so far, but you all, as you've heard, have invested in this ministry for 15 years, for 15 years. Okay, you helped start it, you've helped continue it, and you're helping today and on May 15th. So David, when a Highlander gives to the outreach contribution, a portion of that money goes directly to FIT, what do those dollars do? That's a great question. Um, I have come here for a lot of years uh, as you have prepared for this collection, and I'm thankful to do that. And you, generally, you'll hear one story, and like you'll hear Courtney's story, which is very moving and very real. Um, my question, if I'm like you sitting in the pew, is, is do they just have one or two or three stories, and those, that's what they tell? What I'm thankful to say is in the last year, 97% of the families at FIT left homelessness into their own permanent housing. Huh. 
And that's a huge first step. Now, my next question, if I'm sitting out there with you, is so how long did that they stay? Um, we track over a two-year period. So after a family leaves homelessness into their own housing, their family together, uh, for the last two years, we've had zero percent, zero numbers of families enter back into homelessness. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. That's huge. And I appreciate that. I really believe it's part of God's design, part of our model. We're in apartments, as I mentioned, two of the apartment complexes are where we have families living through scattered throughout those apartments. As they leave the FIT program, they can stay right there if they choose. And they do that in community. And I believe it's just part of God's marvelous design that we all need community. And so by having that, we keep each other from falling. We may fall, but falling out, falling away, falling out of community into homelessness or something else. I'd also say, um, while we're serving about a third of the families in homelessness with housing uh, here in Shelby County, uh, organizationally, our goal is, God, would you have us to serve 50%, one out of every two families that are homeless, providing housing and wrapping services around the other, as is true with Courtney's story, with Hagar's story, the number of women and children especially that experience domestic violence is a phenomenon in this community and nationally. Whenever you see Memphis Police Department or the Sheriff's Department, when you ever see one of their vehicles rolling their wheels, what you can know, at least with MPD, last year 14,000 calls came in that they went to respond to that were about domestic violence. The number one reason they rolled their wheels. Within what Marla and I and many others do in this area, there are only 40 or 50 housing units available for families who need housing, who flee out of domestic violence to be able to be in. Now, not all 14,000 had received calls need housing, but a significant number do. We have, we have a waiting list of 200 to 300 at any time. And so we are feeling very compelled to grow into that space. 85%, as Marla said, of our families we work with, serve, and fit, experience domestic violence. We believe we have got to grow further and deeper in that. So this kind of giving helps move us toward that goal. And so uh, I think it's part of our being Christ in the city, Christ alongside families like Courtney, because otherwise they are left in deplorable situations. David, you're... You're talking about this, really, to the police department numbers, violence here in Memphis. Why in Memphis does the care of mothers and children, homeless mothers and children, why, why does that matter? You know, a lot of people would say, you know, I know in Memphis we've got a lot of available housing out there, people not living in those houses. We've got a lot of folks over here who are homeless. Why don't we just put those together and we'll solve the problem? Well, the problem is homelessness is far, far deeper and far more complex than I just need a house. Homelessness at its very core is the complete breakdown of community. And so just like for Courtney, she said just a little of it. She left, she came back. She left, she came back. She left, she came back. Nationally, 
a lady and her children who eventually leave out of the teeth of the violence in those homes, leave seven times before they ever leave. And the spiritual, emotional, physical, economic draws strings to pull her back are so strong and so manipulative and so wrong. It is just so hard. And so I would say the antithesis to homelessness is the church. Homelessness is extreme isolation. Homelessness is by yourself, not having belonging. The body provides community. The body provides belonging. The body provides safety. The body provides network resources. And so while agape serves as a right arm of Highland to serve in this way, agape is not the body. We're part of the body. But we need the body to serve in a way that really brings life for families like Courtney. Because Courtney would not have that if it weren't for contributions like this, other churches, groups, but ultimately the body coming alongside in a way to say, Courtney, you've got value. What you've been hearing in your life is not true from your husband. He has been lying to you. Satan's been lying. How your kids have been treated, it's a lie. And you have value. You have being. You have essence. You have a life ahead of you. That's why this is so important. Wow. Will you join me in thanking David and Marla for what they're doing? It's amazing. Let me, let me close with just a thought here, and, and then we'll continue in worship and wrap up our time together. In Mark 12, 38 and 40, Jesus reminds us about God's concern for women like Hagar and Courtney, like the women that we're talking about this morning, particularly about how their housing is often threatened, the thing the FIT program is addressing. So this is what Jesus says. As he taught, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogue and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearance say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. So this is kind of an obscure passage. Maybe you haven't even read it before, but it boils down to to a really simple thing. Jesus saw that this arc of violence and injustice and mistreatment stretches across time and wraps around women and children, vulnerable women and children throughout time. He saw that arc even infiltrating the religious world. He had scribes, really pious guys, okay, who were entrusted with the care of widows and their estates. And what he sees these scribes to do is abuse them abuse their property, steal from them, kick the women out. He says they devour their homes. It's a violent thing. They devour widows' houses. Jesus is so troubled by this, and we might say God is so troubled by this, that he says they will receive greater condemnation. Or in other words, those people who push women and children over the edge and into insecurity and homelessness They're going to pay for it. They're going to pay for it. But on the flip side, okay, as the body, we now understand, based on what Jesus shows us about God's concern for these people, we understand why James says what he does in James 1.27. It's a passage you all know, right? 
the religion that's pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world, to care for orphans and widows in their distress. Or in other words, the way to honor God, religion, is to take care of those vulnerable people that God is listening closely to. And you think about it, the way to take care of them is to offer them the opposite of what they're currently experiencing. So, if their houses have been devoured, it's the result of what? Violence and greed devoured. So we offer them the opposite, nonviolent generosity. If what they lack is a stable home, we give it to them, housing and stability. If they are in distress, then we who are not in distress liberate them out of that. We hear them because unlike everyone else in their life, unlike all the resources they thought they could call on, unlike all of them, we are listening to them. And why are we listening to them? Because God's listening to them and always has been. We get to be the answer to their prayers through the power of God. I mean, you could just ask Hagar about that. Or if she seems like she might be hard to get a hold of, you could ask Courtney, maybe a little bit easier. Okay, here's the deal. On May 15th, two weeks from now, this church, and if you're visiting, I'm glad you're here to hear about this. We're gonna raise $126,000 in one Sunday, and then we're just gonna give it away. And we're gonna give it away to women and children through the Agape's Fit program who have no hope, but have found it finally in a safe place like Fit. Okay. We are literally going to be the answer to their prayers by the power and grace of God. Don't you wanna be the answer to somebody's prayer? You can, May 15th. I wanna invite the praise team up here. And again, thank you, David and Marla for being with us. I'm so thankful for what you're doing with the FIT program. And church, I'm thankful to be part of this body that I know is gracious and generous. And let's do a great thing on May 15th. Will you stand and sing with me? I will never be the same again. I can never return.